Hello, 3CMA Communicator community, and welcome back to 3CMA Comcast. I'm Tom Bryson with 3CMA, back today with a member profile that heads way up north to help you get to know another one of our illustrious members in this member profile. Today's profile subject is Communications Manager for the City of Chanhassen, Minnesota, and for good measure, Vice President of the Minnesota Association of Government Communicators. Say hello to Ari Likes It. Ari, how are you doing? Great. Thank you so much. How are you doing? Very well. It's uh, like 90 degrees down here in Texas, so uh, I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit cooler up there. Yes, about 60 degrees and raining again, So, but we need the rain. We need the rain, so we're happy about that. Well, that's good. Down here, it's probably about to stop for the summer, so uh, we won't take anything we could get as well. We appreciate you being a part of 3CMA, Ari, and thanks so much for taking the time to do this. So, as you know, we've got a standard set of questions that we administer as part of this member uh, profile that are designed to allow the membership to get to know you better. So we'll jump right into it. Uh, number one, what's the last book you read? Audio counts. And how long ago did you finish it? Yeah, um, the last book I read was Verity by Colleen Hoover, and I just finished it a couple days ago. Um, <clears throat> if you don't know, it is kind of a psychological thriller. Uh, I shouldn't say much more because if I do, it might give a hint away at the ludicrous ending. It's pretty great. Um, it was a read, so I'd recommend it to anybody who likes that kind of uh, book. Very good. Very good. Now, second question for those of us that may be uh, kind of uh, geographically impaired when it comes to uh, Minnesota, uh, tell us exactly where Chanhassen is located and uh, just more about your operation there. Yeah, Chanhassen is a small-ish town, uh, about 27,000 people, um, and it's located just 20 minutes west of uh, the Twin Cities. So um, we are very fortunate at the city of Chanhassen. We have a team of three people. Um, it started out as a team of one and has grown to a team of three. I am the first communications manager that they've ever hired. Um, so there's a lot of really great things about that. Uh, we also have a digital specialist, and he's in charge of social media. He's in charge of all of our video and uh, all of our website work. And then we also have a communications specialist who does a lot of our design work and uh, more traditional print media. Okay, very good. Now, this one goes back to just your experience in communications in general. I know your entire career has not been in government, but you have been in some public sector work previously. So what has been uh, the best or most exciting part of your career so far? Can you put your finger on anything? I can. Um, and it actually just happened a couple of weeks ago uh, with the city of Chanhassen. So we have this amazing 4th of July celebration that we do every year. And this year we're celebrating our 40th. Um, we have about 70 to 80,000 people that come across Twin Cities and surrounding areas to come and join us for this big celebration. And this year, we really just wanted to celebrate our 40th. And we um, worked and partnered with our local artist, Adam Turman, to create a special logo. Oh, wow. Um, and we just revealed it a couple of weeks ago. So we did a really big build-up campaign. And now you can buy t-shirts and bags and all that fun stuff. But I think communicators get put in charge of a lot of different tasks. You know, you've had this job before and many who are listening do. Um, we do a lot of posters, flyers, 
work with a lot of council. And while that's fun, very rarely do we get to work one-on-one -on -one with community members. And so to have a local artist from uh, the Twin Cities-ish area to help us create something really special for a, uh, I, would, I would even say like a multi-generational um, community event was something that I never thought I would be a part of and took great pride in being a stakeholder in that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and for it to be so recent, that's a good thing. Yeah, so um, conversely, what has been the most challenging or otherwise outright weird thing you've ever had to deal with? Yeah, um, I would say <clears throat> the most challenging in my career, um, I started as a reporter, as a newspaper reporter in a uh, smallish town in uh, northern Wisconsin. Um, and this kind of this this event really set me on the path that I decided to take uh, with through government work. Um, I my first call to a accident, a big accident that happened. Um, and it was live and it was happening as I arrived. And I had thought at the time that it was over. Um, and one of the first questions that entered my mind was, how safe is this road really? You know, because I'm hearing chatter and people are talking, wow, this is the X amount of accidents we've had this year. And it was at some time in about May. So it was pretty early on. And uh, that was a question that I couldn't really let go and realized that I wanted to be a part of that process and help make sure that uh, the community has a veil of transparency with their communicator and also just learning more about the ins and outs of government. I had an interest before, but this really led me on to be more of that, uh, that person in charge of communicating that out to the public. Um, and that's a day that I won't soon forget and always kind of lives in the back of my mind. And sure. it's kind of just a, a thing to push me forward to make sure that I'm still that that uh, behind the scenes person that's making a uh, uh, sharing that information out to everyone. I, I think for, uh, for many of us that came from journalism originally, there there is that moment where where the switch just flipped and said, "Okay, what if I was on that side of the coin and how would that work?" And thank goodness it did for for those of us that were able to make that transition. Agreed. So, uh, how long have you been a member of Three CMA, and how did you get involved? Yeah, I've only for about a year. Um, I, I should say, I know I've known about 3CMA for a really long time. I've always wanted to be a member. Finally had the opportunity to do it at my current position. Um, I, on an off chance, was able to go to the conference last year. Loved it so much that I signed up the day after I came home from Portland. So uh, talked with my city manager. She was on board soon. She said, this is a great resource. Let's go for it. So it's, it's always great to have supportive leadership team, but Love it that they push you in the, the direction that you're supposed to go in. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. Now, having been to the conference last year in Portland, uh, I'm going to ask you about that one in particular. For members that have been in a little bit longer, I ask them about just their body of uh, conference uh, participation. But for that conference in particular, at least you, you were able to get an idea of what kind of interaction and what kind of education that uh, our annual conferences can put forward. Are there uh, are there any great ideas you brought home from that conference or any one big one that uh, you, you learned about that you wanted to come home and put into action? Oh, that is such a good and also difficult question because I feel like every time I go to any webinar uh, or even, you know, like the conference for 3CMA, I come with a, I come back with like a booklet of knowledge, right? But I would say the one thing that stuck out to me is um, one of the last sessions was taught by uh, the communications manager from 
Waukesha, Wisconsin, about the recent tragedy that happened to them a couple years ago. Okay. And um, what really stood out to me was uh, just the preparedness and calmness that they had with their communication, uh, working so uh, eloquently with their uh, leadership team, their police staff, their fire staff, and really how to make a bad situation transparent for the public. And so um, I was madly scribbling in my booklet, took a lot of notes, and uh, I was able to appropriately have that tough conversation when I came home with uh, our fire staff and our uh, sheriff staff and said, hey, what if, you know, I just talked about a really big event shortly. What if something were to happen? Are we prepared? How, what's my role in this? How do we, how do we shape, um, you know, an event that unfortunately may happen to our community? And nobody wants to have that conversation, but it was a really great tidbit to take back and really start standing up for communications early and, okay. and taking a seat at that table instead of just uh, waiting for something to happen and hopefully sneak in uh, when the time arrives. I think that's, communicators um, sometimes can have a tough time finding a seat at that table when it needs to be. And so setting that groundwork before um, and, and building trust with your, uh, you know, like our fire team at Chanhassen is great. I've got a lot of trust with them. They have trust with me and we work really well together. So building that relationship and making sure that we have an open pathway of communication is going to save us time and uh, potentially lives in the future. Right. Now, Along that line, if I'm looking at your LinkedIn page correctly, uh, you were working for Minnesota Public Housing through the height of the pandemic. That is through through most of the lockdown through through uh, through 20. Correct. Yes, you're right. So, as as um, as a communicator in that environment, were there any particular aha moments that you took from that experience? We all learned a lot because there was no playbook for this. But is, is there any lasting or enduring uh, practice, best practice, um, something something in your head that that is going to change the way you do it from now on? Yeah, I I'm a big preacher of uh, one one um, communications medium isn't enough for an event, uh, whatever you're trying to say, whatever you're trying to put out there. And what really brought to the surface was that subject during the pandemic, specifically for me. Um, it was a, I think the pandemic was a unique situation for everybody. Uh, being in a, um, at the Minneapolis Public Housing Authority was a great learning task for me because uh, luckily Minnesota wasn't one of the first states that was hit. Um, so we were fortunate enough to be a part of a network where we were talking to other public housing authorities across America and learning from their small mistakes. And I just remember this phone call um, with Oregon and basically they said, whatever communications you put out, it's not going to matter in 24 hours because this is changing. And that woke us up so quickly because, you know, we, um, we had to pivot. We had to figure out, all right, so where are we sending phone calls, letters, social media? How are we communicating in multi-different languages, you know, in uh, Somali, in Spanish, in right. English, in Hmong? And, um, trying to work with translators and pay them appropriately and making sure that they stick with our timeline when we have to change and pivot to different communications. So it, what was really vital and important was mostly like, it seems counterintuitive during a pandemic, but it was door knocking and making sure that um, we touch base with community leaders and making sure that we touch base with our housing managers and uh, signage was a big one. So 
what really changed, I think that for the communications realm, but also other people my age is luckily, I'm pretty young in my career learning that and still adapting and making sure that that's a part of our communications plan for everything that we do. Um, it, it's a very interesting and key, and key part of communications that um, not a lot of people understand. I think I think it's very insightful to know that, uh, particularly in uh, uncharted territory, in, in, even in this age of technology, sometimes uh, going old school uh, gets the job done still, right? Yeah, and and I think it's important to mention too, um, especially working for a city and especially working for a public housing authority, we work with people all ages, right? You know, uh, th think of public engagement as a part of communications. It's not entirely, but it's a small part. If I'm doing a survey or if I want public's opinion, why would I just put that out on social media? Right. There's got to be other ways to make people participate and people understand. And when there's a public health emergency, that comes to the forefront. And so learning how to put a letter together really quickly and mailing that out to 12,000 people is uh, tiresome, but it was important. And that's how people found out the information. And we created a web page to direct people back to that. And then we did social media work and posters. So it, it's really... Um, it, it was fun to flex all of those different mediums in communication okay. and seeing them all be a really important role that actually worked out. And was we were able to inform so many people so quickly. That's awesome. That's just awesome. Now, this next question is one of the most important ones of the bunch. Um, what number am I thinking of? 13. No. Two. N next question. Okay, in the span of your career to date, and I, and I realize your career is still uh, you're you're on the front nine, but in the span of your career to date, has has there been one uh, change that really stands out to you as most important in the way we communicate? Yeah, um, I think I think the biggest change um, is a little bit of a public perception thing. Uh, I, so short answer is social media. Long answer is the public perception with social media. Okay. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Nextdoor, all those are great things. But for city communicators, those make our jobs just so much more difficult. Um, because you think? That, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It allows um, for a rumor to go wild. It allows for, it's a great tool when uh, you want to put out information. But it can complicate your job. And sure. um, luckily, when I when I started the communications team at Chanhassen, one of the first things I said was, we got to get a, uh, somebody who knows how to do great videos and also digital communications because our website was getting an upgrade. But how we need to invest time into our social media and we need to invest time into our web page for like metadata, putting in, you know, utilizing what we know and what we have. Um, you know, AdWords for search functions. How do we do that? So um, hiring um, Drew has been a big help on our team because we utilize that talent. And um, trying to stick with trends is impossible too, but that's how you get people, right? So, right. and it changes all the time through Facebook and Twitter. Analytics are funky. So it makes our jobs difficult. But on the flip side, if you sort of sometimes figure it out, uh, it can make your job 10 times easier when you build that trust with the public. And luckily, Chan Haston is going through that right now, and we're getting there. Very well. Very good. So um, where do you see yourself in five or ten years? 
Um, I would say I wish I had a really good witty an- answer. As I was listening to past podcasts uh, on this genre, I, I really felt like the answers were really great. Mine's a little boring. I want to stay in local government. I have a passion for this, and um, I I just love the work that we do. I think it's really important, and um, I I really can't imagine myself anywhere else. I feel like that's a cop out answer, though. So no, not at all. I, I think I think it's the best answer to the question that there is, uh, unless you're an old guy like me and want to be uh, you know really retired one day, but. <laughs> No, that makes that makes a whole lot of sense. So finally, uh, tell us something about yourself that very few people know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, something that very few people know about me is um, a couple years ago, I was the recipient of a grant from Lawns to Legumes and Blue Thumb, which are partnering organizations in the state of Minnesota, uh, to create a pollinator garden in my yard. So, really? uh, yep, my uh, husband and I created a pollinator garden and we are slowly chipping away at uh, um, more gardens, more flowers, more native plants uh, for the rusty patch bumblebee. Um, what's really great about that is in our neighborhood and um, where we live, the rusty patch bumblebees are slowly becoming extinct. And um, this grant allows us to create an environment where they'll thrive year round, uh, even, you know, in the wintertime when they kind of bury into the ground. Um, and so while everybody uh, during the pandemic was trying to get outside, we spent most of our time in the spring, summer, and fall creating a pollinator garden and a pollinator yard. So what's great is um, we have really beautiful flowers and beautiful landscapes, and we're chipping away at that growth, um, sometimes mostly dead grass yard that we have out front and out back. Well, that's probably something you're not going to hear from everybody so <laughs> yeah that's interesting and and awesome all at the same time uh well Ari, thank you so much for being a part of uh this for uh taking the time to uh talk to us for a little bit and uh you know i look forward to seeing you in orlando and we can uh talk about a lot more of these things and about coming over from journalism and being a part of this world thank you for being here yeah thank you guys so much and thanks tom for taking the time to chat with me we'll see you soon absolutely and that's going to do it for this edition of 3CMA Comcast. For Ari Likes It, I'm Tom Bryson. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes out of your day, and we hope to see you next time. Oh,